Good evening, church. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. My name is Colin, the pulpit minister here at Central Church of Christ. This is Dan Spate. He's one of our elders. And here at Central Church of Christ, it's our mission to be God's heart and hands in this community and beyond. If you'd like to learn more about what that means, I want to encourage you to head over to our website at www.churchvictoria.com. This is our Wednesday evening conversation through the law and the prophets where we open up the Old Testament, we move through the narrative and the text, and we see how it impacts us today as the church and how it how that text connects to Jesus. Um, if you're listening Listening to this on the Heart and Heads podcast. I want to thank you so much for joining us. If you're watching this on YouTube, make sure you're subscribed to the channel and you have the bell turned on so you get notified every time we upload a video. And if you're watching this on Facebook, make sure to like and share. That really helps us out. And make sure to comment down below. Um, if this ministry has blessed you or you'd like to partner with us in this ministry, I want, I want to encourage you to head over to that website. At the top of the page, we have a donate button that uh, take, will take you to PayPal, and you can partner with us as we seek to teach and preach the gospel. Uh, we're going to pray and get into the lesson. Again, church, thank you so much for joining us. Okay, let's, uh, let's pray and we'll get started. Okay, Father in heaven, thank you so much for the opportunity we have to gather together again this evening. We pray your blessings upon all of us as we study through your word. We thank you for it. We thank you for the truth of it. We thank you for, for the ability that, that we have to have it and that you that you have preserved it for us so that we can study it father help us to be proficient and help us to not only know the word but help us father to apply it to our lives we thank you uh, for all of it we thank you for the blessing of it and please bless us father and bless all of our families and all the folks that are watching we pray for each and every one of us in jesus name we pray amen amen all right we're in exodus 34 we're moving yeah. along man oh yeah we did what three verses the other day <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're moving right along. Yeah, we'll be done with Exodus before you know it. You know, oh so yeah, we'll be in ten years. You know, we'll both be dead. And we still won't be out of the, out of uh, out of judges. <laughs> the right we're going, but it's been fun. It is fun, you know. And I think uh, from looking at Romans chapter fifteen, it says that everything written in the past was written for our learning, and we need to learn from this. We need to learn from what happened. And you know, you're in some of this text here. You're preaching through this in on Sunday morning, and That's right. And uh, so we're probably not going to spend a lot of time with that, but but. Uh, because you've been dealing with it, you know, a sermon every every week with with some of that. So, but you know, I mean, it's uh, it's really neat to find out who God is and how patient He is. And I, I really liked your sermon the other day. That no matter what, I still have to be obedient. But no matter what, God is always faithful. God, if God makes a promise, He's going to keep His promise. That's right. He's going to keep His promise, and He's He's always faithful. We may not be always, but He will be faithful. Now, it doesn't give us the right to go. And I think you clarified it. It doesn't give us the right to go do whatever we want to do. We can't do that. We still have to be faithful to Him. But when we commit sin, and we're going to do that, then He's faithful. Yeah. He's faithful to He, he forgives and He loves us anyway because we're yeah. we we uh, we have a position and relationship as adopted children, and we need to we need to. We need to take that responsibility on. Well, you know, if your child messes up, you know, what what's your response? Is your response when your child when your own flesh and blood, when your own child that you love messes up, is your response, I'm done with you? Mm, you know? No, and no. you know, look, I'm gonna be honest, in my anger, I've said that to my to my son. I've mm -hmm. said, you know what, dude? You don't care. It's obvious you don't care. If you don't care, I don't care. I'm mm -hmm. done. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't stay that way. No. You know, and no. I, I think sometimes we, we look at God in these in these incidents where he says, I'm, I'm done with you to Israel. And we want to we want to immediately go, no, no, God, don't don't be like that. But I mean, when you especially when you start looking at the history of Israel as a whole from their from their very uh, when he first delivers them out of Egypt, from that point to the time he sends them into exile in Babylon, thousand years later or so, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
they constantly tested him and rejected him and pushed back. Not everyone, but as a nation, quite a bit. I mean, remember what he tells, uh, you remember what he tells Elijah? You know, I've got, was it 3,000 or I can't remember if it's three or 7,000. 7,000. 7,000 who haven't bent the knee. Mm -hmm. 7,000 out of the entire nation of the Northern Kingdom of Israel. Yep. Only 7,000 remain faithful. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's always a remnant that actually remains faithful and act actually pursues God. So, and what was it? Was it Obadiah said, I've got a hundred prophets put aside back, mm -hmm. I put them, got them put back. You know, and he's been feeding them and taking care of them. That they're that's not all lost. Well, despite, Elijah felt it was, despite the government policy of killing prophets of the Lord. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Obadiah. What would, what would they have done them. to Obadiah if they found out? Oh so, man, doesn't bear thinking about. Yeah. So I, I sometimes you know we I, I think to a certain degree we need to, we need to understand where God is coming from here. You know, the Israelites just really royally messed everything up. You know. Mm -hmm. um, God said, don't do these things. And they immediately did those things. And so what is, what is God going to do? And I think in his, in his righteousness and in his holiness, and especially considering what he's trying to do and hear his own people, his own inheritance, the ones that he has kept for himself of all the nations have gone the way of Adam and Eve. They've immediately rejected him. They've re eaten the fruit. I mean, we really have, this is a repeat of that story again, mm -hmm. right? And so we see this theme constantly repeated, but here Moses is stepping in, starting a new theme, that of intercessor, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Um, walking in, well, we stepping in. Last week. That's right. And mm -hmm. saying, hey, you know, God, forgive them. You know, offering up his own life, going up onto the mountain into the holiness of God and saying, ah, ah, take me, right? Mm -hmm. Take me. Um, and that's what, and look at the result. Look at the result in Exodus 34 of the intercession. The Lord said to Moses, chisel out two stone tablets like the first ones and i will write them on the words that were on the first tablets which you broke be ready in the morning and then come up on mount sinai present yourself to me there on top of the mountain no one is to come with you or be seen anywhere on the mountain <laughs> not even the flocks and herds may graze in front of the mountain so this is really a repeat yeah it's a repeat it's a repeat of what's already been stated in exodus 20 19 and 20 mm -hmm. right god is basically saying okay i've said i'm going to forgive you I've said I'm going to reinstitute the covenant. I've said I'm going to continue working with this people. Now, that doesn't happen yet. And we're going to see the effects of that, right? He's already told them to build the tabernacle. The rest of this book, he's going to, Moses is going to come back with the tablets. They're going to build the tabernacle, do all that. But what we're going to find out is when the glory of the Lord comes on the tent, they can't go in. Mm -hmm. And so the covenant really isn't restored yet. That's what the book of Leviticus is about. The book of Leviticus is how do we deal with sin in the camp, mm -hmm. especially when we have a holy God who yep. isn't going to tolerate sin. Mm -hmm. How do we deal with sin in the camp? So Moses goes up on, on Mount Sinai. He chisels out the two stone tablets in verse four um, and goes up to Mount Sinai early in the morning as the Lord had commanded him and he carried the two stone tablets in his hands. Then the Lord came down in the cloud. Um, it's a really interesting study. If you're interested in studying scripture on your own, search out this theme, who travels on the cloud. It's really interesting to see who is always on the cloud, who is coming in the cloud. And it, and it really peaks in, with Daniel, mm -hmm. right? And then you could go look at it again in Matthew 24. What does it mean when God is moving on the cloud? And it's, it's, it's pretty cool. It's, pretty, it's, a, it's a pretty cool theme. So I just want to throw that out there. It's something we're not going to pursue in this study. But who travels on the cloud? Then the Lord in verse 5 came down in the cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed his name, the Lord. So this is, this is really... Uh, Really awesome passage. Like you said, we've been preaching. I've been preaching through that mm -hmm. this this summer. Um, this is the John 3.16 of the Old Testament. Yeah. This is a huge, huge passage 
Um, it's going to be quoted time and time and time again throughout the Psalms, throughout the prophets. Um, these attributes of God are what people are going to call on repeatedly, uh, especially when they make uh, mistakes or they mess up. So he passed it in front of Moses, proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the parents of the third and fourth generation. Now, I've been talking about the stuff that comes before that. In fact, this this Sunday, I'll be in, a, or not this Sunday, but the following Sunday, I'll be in maintaining love to thousands, uh, that maintaining quality of God. But I think where we get hung up isn't on the first part, it's the second part. And I haven't yeah. talked about that yet much. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. Well, yeah, okay. You know, mm -hmm. the guilty need to be punished. I think a lot mm -hmm. of people would agree with that mm -hmm. statement. Um, but then this is what really hangs us up. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the parents, the third and fourth generation what's up with that why is god why i mean just a plain reading of that text would make me think god is you know beaten up on people who don't deserve it well um let me find it yeah it's kind of i mean it's it's kind of a toughie you know god says himself this is himself proclaiming this is himself saying this is who i am and I'm going to punish the children uh, and their children for the sin of the parents of the third and fourth generation. I mean, it almost sounds like my dad makes a mistake or my dad messes up or my dad does something and then something wrong. And then God's going to take that out on me and my children and possibly their children. Is that what this is saying? Well, I mean, in Ezekiel chapter 18, he says the son won't be held accountable for the sins of the father. Mm. So there's got to be something else going on here. Okay. All right. You know, I, I, me personally, I think that uh, there is a lot of consequences that goes along with what you and I do. Mm. Okay. Uh, you know, I've done a lot of things in my life that uh, if I had not turned them around, my, my sons would have suffered the, 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 the fallout from that, from that lifestyle if I had not changed. And, you know, we've got people watching that, that they are experiencing the fallout from what their parents may have done in their lives. You know, you make one bad choice. You do one thing that you shouldn't do. You get caught doing it, whatever it is. And now you have to live with it and your children are affected for, for generations. Because, you know, you, you take a, 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 a man that beats his wife and his little boys watch that. What do you think is going to happen? What's the best chance? What's the better chance than not that's going to happen to them little boys? They're going to become what? Child beaters. I mean, women beaters. They're going to be boys that, that grow up. Not always, but there's a better chance than not that they're going to grow up and they're going to, they're going to use, do that same behavior in their own lives. Because they've seen what, it, what, what the effect of it is. And, and so, you know, I mean, that, their, their sin will, will follow them. And they will take up the sin later on down the down the way. Uh, I think God is saying, you know, you're, I'm going to punish your children because you're going to become sinners, and they're going to become sinners because they're going to watch you sin. They're going to they're, they're going to imitate you, and then I'm going to I'm going to punish them as well. So this statement, but I'm not going to be. I'm not my son. If if uh, if I hit my wife and I and I or I uh, I do whatever it is and I commit a sin. My son is not going to be held accountable for that sin. He's going to be held, held accountable for his own sins. But those sins may come because they've, he's watched me sin. And so he's he's learned how to sin from me. And that may be what it's talking about. That's how I like to look at it. Yeah, absolutely. So, yes. 
this statement, first of all, we don't, <laughs> this statement isn't, we don't actually see this statement practiced anywhere in the scriptures. No, I can't nowhere. Think of, I can't nowhere. think of anywhere in the scriptures mm-hmm. that we see God specifically say, you know, okay, well, this person's sin isn't going to come on their head. It's going to come on their children, mm-hmm. right? And and we have children who are doing the right thing, and yet they're bearing the cost of of somebody else. I, I what you what you're saying is what I'm hearing you say is about this statement is that this is a statement speaking to the gravity of sin. Absolutely, it is. And, I believe absolutely. It is. And I think you're absolutely correct. And I think everything you're saying is right. If I sin, if I pursue sin, the chances are my children are going to learn from me to mm-hmm. pursue sin. Like they're not. You know, things don't, we have a tendency in our society to think that just because we want something or just because we do something um, means that that's the way it's going to work out. For example, I, I, I feel like sometimes in our society we can think that, well, I can do whatever I want, but I can tell my kids not to do it, not to do it and they'll grow up that's and not hypocrisy. do it. That's hypocrisy. And it is it is hypocrisy, right? I can tell my kids, kids, it's not right for you to drink, but I can sit here and drink and drink and drink and drink. And they're just going to miraculously somehow grow up and not be the people that we've trained them to be. Parents, you're training your children. You're discipling your children. And you're either discipling your children in healthy things or in unhealthy things. Well, your job is to raise them to become adults. Right. And to raise them to become viable, profitable adults in a society. That's what you're raising them to do. That's what we're supposed to be raising them to do. And so let's say, you know, back in the day, you know, Profanity was a, was a an integral part of my language, my vocabulary. I mean, I mean, I didn't care, you know. I didn't care if my mother in law liked the language I used in her house. I didn't care. I, I didn't care. So, you know, there was a lot of profanity in my in coming out of my mouth, and my mother in law just took it. Okay, and I have two little boys, three little two little boys, and and they come, they're running through all the time, and they're hearing me talk. Okay, and they're hearing this this GD this and F this and F you this and and they're hearing this stuff. Okay, if I don't stop, what becomes their their vocabulary? That yep. that's that's where that that's their vocabulary becomes the same vocabulary they're here on. It's like they what they pick up at school. Parents say you never heard that here. They pick it up at school. They imitate what they hear. If somebody is is popular in school and they they act a certain way, well, what do you think your kids are going to do? That's right. And they're going and they're going to pick up good traits and they're going to pick up bad ones as well. And and I think what he's talking about here is there are consequences to sin. That's how bad it is. And your children will pick it up and they will run with it. And and that you know he tells us he tells us in the in the book of Proverbs he said train up a child. And the way it should go, and and the way they're bent, they're train a child the way they're bent, and when they're old, they won't depart from it. Doesn't mean that if you train them to be godly, they're always going to be godly. They're still going to, but if you train them the way they're bent, if you train them the way that 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 they that they're t- turned towards, yeah, you know, well, you can do the same thing in a bad way. Well, I understand too that you know proverbs aren't promises. So I talked about this no. Sunday about promises, God, how God is yeah. always faithful. Okay, so proverbs is not God promising us things. No, proverbs is. Words of wisdom. It's it's literally within within the genre of wisdom literature, and mm-hmm. so it's sayings that are usually the case. Yeah. And it is usually the case that if you train a child in the way they should go, later on in life they're not going to depart from it. That's why this statement is so important and speaks to the gravity of sin. Because if I train my child in sin, whether it be 
uh, horrific language or horrific actions. I'm, I'm training my child to do that. Your children are going to do what you do. So they're not going to do what you tell them to do. They're going to well, do what you let, do. Let's take it on more <laughs> spiritual, personal level. You know, God is very specific about what he expects for his, his children. He said, if you want to be my disciple, this is what you have to do. That's right. Deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me. That means I don't get a choice anymore. I don't get a say-so anymore. I have to carry the same kind of cross that he carried. I have to suffer the same way. I have to I have to walk the same kind of walk. And then I have to follow and watch where he's going so I go with him. That's right. Going to the lake two times a month, going to the lake two times a month and taking your children is sinful. Sinful. How so? Because if it takes us away... If, if it's a it's a it's a pattern of behavior that you're going to do, and it and you're going to purposely choose. I'm not saying going to the lake is sinful. Okay, I'm not okay. saying going okay. going to camping is sinful. I'm saying replacing the what we're supposed to be doing with God with that. Ah, okay, is so, sinful. So you're saying if it becomes it becomes a a surrogate God for us certain times of the month. Okay, or That's certain times. You know, see, you know, I'm not talking about you know somebody going on vacation or something. I'm not talking about that. I mean, you can go. I mean, I've gone to the racetrack before on a Sunday. You're talking about somebody who says, "I'm going to be a disciple when I feel like it." Yeah. So that's the, that's... the, the person who says that, like the guys who came up to Christ and said, "Oh, I want to follow you, but first let me go do these other things." And Christ said, says, "Hey, if you're going to put your hand to the plow, anybody who turns back isn't worthy." Yeah. Like if you're if you're a fair weather disciple, mm -hmm. right? That's a problem, mm -hmm. is what you're saying. That's exactly what I'm saying. And, and and when you when you take your family as a father, and you take your family. You know, I had this with bow hunting. I, not, people that know me have known. You know, I mean, I was I was passionate. I did. I went, man, and we hunted Junction, which was five hours away from here. You know, and we hunted there, and I and I and I went all the time. I went a lot. I mean, if I said my my thing was if I'm going to spend this much money, I'm going to go. I'm going to go enjoy myself. Right. And I'm gonna, I never got a chance to I never got a chance to go hunt like that before, and I, now I had the chance. I was going, and I'm going five six times a season. Well, season starts in October first and ends January fifth or something. I'm gonna go six or seven times, five six seven times. I'm gonna go during bow season and gun season. I'm going, and we're going Wednesday morning, and we're not coming back till Sunday night. So when am I going to church? Mm. You're not. No. You're not. So then you, know, I said okay. I said, I know what I'll do. I'll start taking my boys. It'd be a great learning experience. And it was. Don't get me wrong. It was. It was a great learning experience. And I took them with me. Okay. I took, we went together. You know, my, all my boys got their first chance to shoot a deer with, when I took them. But what were they learning? This is more important. That's exactly what they were learning. Until finally my, you know, it, 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 I, my wife said, you know, this, this can't happen no more. We're done. This is, we're done here. This this got stopped. You know, this has become uh, your mistress and your god and whatever. She didn't say all that, but that's what it, that's what that's it's becoming. It and uh, and then I had a little girl that I had mentored her family, and she was she was probably a teenager, and she wasn't coming to church. And I confronted her. What do you think she brought up? Well, you aren't never here either. Right there is where it hit me. She was right. And it was time to change. You know, my children were going to were going to be nurtured by that behavior, and it was going to affect them in a negative way. You know, 
Uh, I want them. I wanted my my youngest son takes his kids hunting all the time, but it but he doesn't go like I did. He doesn't. He's not gone all the time. He's gone bits and pieces out of there, but uh, but but he's but he's got a great relationship with his with his God. He's got a great relationship with his kids, and it's not affecting him the way it was affecting me. So yeah. that's what I think this is talking about where he's going to punish them to the third and fourth generation. It will, it will haunt you and it will yeah. follow you and you cannot get past it. That's why guys, I'm telling you, if God's going to be your God, then make God your God. Well, and let's talk about what this doesn't say. Okay. And so what this doesn't say, right? It says yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. So who are we talking about? Right. He, we're talking about the guilty, mm -hmm. right? He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation. What this doesn't say is, God punishes the righteous children no, of the guilty no, no. The, to the third and the no, fourth generation. As you pointed out in Ezekiel, right, God is going to punish people for their sin. There's a really popular doctrine uh, based on Romans chapter five that talks about how we all have, uh, we all like contain or on us is the sin of Adam, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And that we bear this sin of Adam. It's a very popular doctrine. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, I'm going to... It's called original I'm, sin. It's called original sin, right. Mm -hmm. I, I'm going to go out there and, and on a limb and people are going to disagree and people aren't going to like it, but, th but this is the reality. We don't bear the sin of Adam. Mm -hmm. We bear our own sin, mm -hmm. okay? Romans chapter 5 is not saying that we bear the fault for the uh, the sin that Adam chose to disobey God. That's not, that's not what that's saying. What it's saying is we all bear the curse... We all die in Adam. And just like in Christ, we will all live, mm -hmm. right? And so for the, the real point of the passage is that Christ is a type of, a, Adam was a type of Christ. That's exactly what it's and saying. And in him, we all die, but in Christ, we, we all live. live. That's what We're it's not saying. bearing, Paul makes it very clear in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, for all have sinned. We all sin and fall short of the glory of God. And, and James chapter 1 says, says that, 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 Evil desires what bring forth sin in our lives. That's right. And when evil desires is full grown, it brings forth death. Right. Is what it says. Yes. You know, my own evil desires what made sin happen in my life. That's right. I was born with the nature to sin. Ephesians chapter 2 says we are by nature children of wrath. Well, and what is nature? So we, we need to be careful, right? Because everything God created is good, mm -hmm. right? So what what is that nature talking about? Is it something inherent to us? Or is it something that is societally given? And I, I do think it's both, right? I don't think it's something that God created, but I do think that within us, we have these desires to do things that we shouldn't do, mm -hmm. right? That we grow up and grow into. And then society helps foster that, Absolutely. right? It is a tough question, but what I want to make sure we understand is that God doesn't make junk. He says right in the beginning in Genesis, he says, You're fearfully wonderfully made. You're fearfully wonderfully And he says everything that he saw that he made was good. Was good. So it, there's nothing wrong with the creator and there's nothing wrong inherently with his creation. We have to be very careful. Mm -hmm. So there's something in us. We have these evil desires. And instead of us saying no to them like Christ did, right? Christ is... He is, a, he is a fitting high priest because he's been tempted in every way we were, yet without sin. So even within Christ, well, if, if there you, was that temptation. If you use that argument, then Jesus was born with original sin. Well, and, and so now we're getting into a lot of the issues of the debates within the, the well, first couple and, of centuries I mean, of the I mean, But logic tells me, tells me if you're going to debate this that way, then everybody that's born is born with sin. And he was born, 
You know, I mean, is you it, would think to be consistent, yes. But that's not where they go. Though. No, they 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 come up with their philosophical reasons why he was shielded from original sin, and some of those reasons go up to that Mary never sinned. And now we're starting in getting into the problem. Well, then how the, could then how could how could your your whole argument falls apart if Mary didn't sin well, because she was born with sin? It, it's very it, odd, isn't it? But no, it's not odd. It, it's it's exact. It's ludicrous. Well, I'm being nice. It's odd. <laughs> I'm calling it odd. Okay. So you well, get into all sorts of thorny issues. Be a good cop and not yeah, be back. There you go. <laughs> you get into all sorts of thorny issues. It's much easier to step back, understand what Romans five is actually talking about, which is that in Adam well, we all die. But that destroys the whole argument. I, I understand, but I'm saying let's stick on what the word actually but if says. Argument, Are you at Romans five? No, I'm at I'm at Ezekiel. Oh. I was in Ezekiel, but I, I'll go to Romans five. Well, maybe maybe I should have had it pulled up, right? But understand that what that passage is referring to, what that passage is talking about, mm -hmm. is not that we bear the sin of Adam. Rather, it is that in Adam we die. Yeah, just, we, it, my heading says, death through Adam, life through Christ. That's basically, that's what it's talking about. Right. You know, yeah, but, you know. So, we all sin. That's the point, right? That we all make these choices. And this passage, in going back to Exodus, we've gone far afield, but in Exodus 34, yeah, 6, and 7. All over the place. He does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the parents, the third and fourth generation, because the assumption is that the guilty is going to continue, mm -hmm. right? If the guilty changes, if the guilty part, if the guilty person turns and looks at God and says, oh my gosh, I need uh, to stop doing what I'm doing. Let me ask you, how turn. does that happen? How, think about third and fourth generation, right? I am second generation from my grandfather. My mother one generation, I'm the second generation. My kids are third generation, right? Mm -hmm. I was walking behind my shop the other day and heard a noise. Okay, just a noise. And it was a it was a grasshopper noise. And and it was hot and and there was some things on the ground that reminded me and I was I reminded myself back to where my where something my uncle had said when my uncle was the first generation, okay? I'm second generation, my kids are third generation. Their kids right now, Mason, uh, Tyson, Connor, TJ, Hannah, Hannah, all them, they're all, they're all the next generation. Right. I still remember what my grandfather, I still remember all the things about his farm and that's what kicked, kicked that memory. And I kicked a memory. It kicked a memory of, of standing in the pasture and watching a grasshopper go and go off. And I heard that same noise, you know. And it took me all the way. Just a grasshopper made, brought me all the way back. And and my my sons have been there. My my youngest son still hunts there, okay, with his kids. So all the things that I learned from the first generation and the second generation. Now and now, now I've passed it to the third generation and the fourth generation. You see, That's right. all of that mindset. My my great grandfather, I don't know. I don't know him. I never met him. Don't don't know him. I don't know him either side. But my grandfather, I remember. Whether they remember or not doesn't matter. I remember him because I have a lot of the traits in him, and I still remember some of the things that we did. That's I can still tie a knot the way my grandfather taught me. I taught, showed my my grandson the other day how to tie a knot the way my grandfather taught me. I am continuing that on. That's why it perpetuated to the third, fourth generation, because those people still know each other. 
or they still have contact with each other and they can still elevate that that bad behavior, bad lifestyle, bad direction given and cause them to, you know, your son, uh, your your son and your daughters are going to have children. And when they have children, I thought that the other day, I was watching all these kids and I said, you understand that some of these kids are going to marry each other. Oh my God, what a thought. So we're looking for a new <laughs> minister here at Central Church of Christ. And if, if you're interested... Uh, it, no, it, and it was, and you know, and those kids are gonna are gonna are gonna perpetuate the things that you teach them, and that right. Jessica teaches them, and that's what this is talking about. This third and fourth generation is not that far removed. It's not hundreds of years. It's just different, you know, children, grandchildren, great grandchildren. And you know what we see in practice with this with this passage is that God consistently forgives those who turn to him. Mm -hmm. And I know it doesn't say that. It says that in the first part. It doesn't say that in the second part. And we want to divorce these two passages, but we really can't. In the Hebrew, if, I, if I'm recalling my Hebrew correctly, and I could be wrong about, about the exact scheme of it, so please forgive me. But if I'm recalling my Hebrew correctly, the last part of this, he punishes the children and their children for the sin of the parents. All of this is a poem. It's all poetry. It all rhymes. Mm -hmm. And this last part rhymes with the, the top part. I'm not saying that you don't take it seriously. What I'm saying is there's a poetic element to it as well. Mm -hmm. And so what God is highlighting here is his nature and his character. And, he is. And, and he is. And who's there? Who's there? Moses. Moses. Correct. And listen, look at what Moses does next. Okay. Moses bowed to the ground at once and worshiped. Mm-hmm. Lord, he said, if I have found favor in your eyes, then let the Lord go with us. Although this is a stiff-necked people, forgive our wickedness and our sin and let and take us as your inheritance. That's right. You know, Moses standing there listening to this. We're, all we're doing is reading it. Moses standing there listening to this and he's going, oh my God. Oh my God. You know, how easy he could go and we could all be dust. And so his appeal is to the first part of it. Yes. Right? Yes. He, now look, these people are guilty. They've broken covenant. God is 100% righteous. And their righteous. children are going to do the same thing. Well, and so God would be 100% righteous in wiping them out. And Moses appeals to that first part. Go back and read Jonah. Mm -hmm. Looking at Exodus 34, 6 and 7. Go back and read Jonah chapter 4. And when the Ninevites, who've been doing wickedness, and God has already said, I'm going to destroy them and wipe them out. When they repent, this is what Jonah refers back to. And he says... See, I knew you were a God who is compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love, and that if these people repented, you would forgive them. But wait a minute. I thought he was going to punish the children. Yes. Understand that sin is a serious thing. God is going to punish people for their sin. But if they repent and they turn, they, he forgive will forgive them. And that's what this passage is talking about. You see this passage repeated over and over. You know what you don't see repeated over and over? He punishes the children and their children. You don't see that part repeated. No. What you see repeated is people calling on God's gracious and compassionate if nature. If they don't, if they don't, the sin is going to follow them and their children. If they the, don't repent. If they don't repent. Yes. It's going to follow them. Yes. And it will follow them. And it has, and we've seen it. We've seen it. How many times have yes. we seen it? Oh, we've dealt yeah. with, man, I've sat in plenty of rooms. You more with, than I, but with yes. Plenty of, plenty of people who have, who have, uh, who have the, the results of physical, sexual abuse in their life, oh, yeah. and they're destroyed because of it. Yeah. And they're and their children are destroyed because of it. You know, and I've watched it too many times. And it, it makes it makes me want to vomit every time I see it because I know that you know that some father somewhere 
put his hands on his daughter inappropriately, and she is damaged forever if, unless she gets help. Yeah. And I found out this is way outside my pay grade. <laughs> you know, and nobody ever repented. Nobody ever said they were sorry. Nobody ever did anything. And it's haunting them. And their children are a mess. And their children are a mess. You know, and it never stops. Yeah. That's that's the kind of stuff. You know, somebody repents, there's there's a there's something that has to come along with repentance. Well, there's you have to stop sinning. There's something to be said about generational curses. Absolutely. And um you know, obviously that's that's beyond the purview of, of our conversation today, but there is something to be said about generational curses. And if you want well, to break gonna, that generational curse, uh, it has to start with repentance. And, and it will, you know, we're doing this on a Wednesday morning. Y'all will see it next week. But tomorrow morning, we are going to record again and we're going to pick it up right here. So so we'll have this fresh in our minds and, and we'll pick it up right there and it'll be a it, we'll have a good study tomorrow. Ultimately, too. when we're reading through Exodus 34, 6 and 7, I hope church and if you're out there listening and you're not a member of the church i hope you don't camp on that second part no please. just look at moses and i love that you pointed that out just look at moses's reaction you, you were talking about people who just sinned in a really bad way i mean if, if you wanted he to knows, hear moses sin, knows what they deserve moses knows exactly what they deserve and yet moses's appeal to god is not oh you're just gonna wipe us out moses's appeal to god is on that first part that or, that second part or does you know, not doesn't surpass or overweigh the first part. You know what he can say? Hmm. Boy, I'm glad I wasn't one of them. I mean, he wasn't there. Him <laughs> and Joshua. Was, he was up on the mountain. Him and Joshua were up on the mountain. He, he could absolutely say that. Hey, I wasn't, I wasn't one of them. But he doesn't. You know, hey, fine. Let's get rid of them. Let's start over. Don't allow the severity of sin and, and the severity in which God views sin detract you from repenting and living a faithful life in Christ. Because the first part of that says God is compassionate. That's right. He's empathetic. He loves. His love abounds. He's faithful. I love what you talk about, the, the faithfulness of God Sunday morning. You know, it, it, guys, go back. If you hadn't seen it, go back and watch that sermon. Uh, it's up on YouTube. I, I'm sure it's already up on YouTube. Yes, yes. And just go watch it about God being faithful in spite of that. Story. And if, if you can't find it on YouTube, you can find it on our church website. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely churchvictoria.com. That's right. Let's pray. All right. Father in heaven, thank you so much for the opportunity we've had to look at this. We thank you, Father, for being the God that you are. We understand the gravity of sin and how terrible it is. And, and we ask for forgiveness, Father, because all of us fall short on a daily basis. And our children are affected sometimes in a negative way because of it. And we pray, Father, your, your forgiveness and your patience. We pray, Father, that you give us time to, to write this. And when we repent, Father, help us to stop doing the things that we that we are, are 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 asking for forgiveness for. Father, bless us, bless our audience as they as they look at this text. Help them to to realize how important it is for them to repent and to turn away from what they were doing, so so that they can they can be the example to their families they need to be. Thank you, Father, for the opportunity, and thank you for being the God that you are. It's in it's in Jesus' name we pray, and by His authority, Amen. Amen.